since you advocated the United States Championship just days after you won it, we actually haven't seen too much of you around here, but now given yeah, I, I know, Renee. I, uh, I think I've been a little more selective with picking my spots and finding opportunities. And somehow, here we are, another opportunity. Renee, I live for this. I, I love this. I love it. And it's about doing what I was put on this planet to do. Performing that ring. The reason I'm here right now, the only reason I am standing here, the reason I'm back is for one thing only, one thing that's eluded me my entire career, one thing. I want to main event WrestleMania. And I'll be damned if I don't walk in there as WWE champion. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. 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 Hi, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a SmackDown. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. Tuesday night. That means more wrestling. How are you, Way? Pretty good. Yep. Excited. It's wonderful. Excited. I had a request today from somebody who said, I would like you to include the timestamps of when you start the review. I'm not a fan of the beginning of your shows. Hope this doesn't sound mean. I said, ah, well, it sounds very mean, actually. You're directly insulting me. So... I say no timestamps way. You're either with us or against us. Mm, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Though I mean people can fu- just skip. Just skip to it. Just just uh, hit that uh 15 second forward button and find it. I don't Yeah, you got to do a little work. Got to do a little uh hunting. You can figure out when the when the show when the review starts. Yeah. This stuff is great. I love the beginning. It's my favorite part. Mm. I could do the whole show without even doing a wrestling review. Eh? We could just chat about, about life. We could chat about baseball. We could discuss uh, whatever topics are going on. Sure. You know that the, the longtime voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Jerry Howarth, announced his retirement today? Yes. Yes, I've seen 36 that. seasons as the voice of the Blue Jays. That's incredible. He's been calling the Jays longer than I've been alive. Yeah, that's a long time. Yep, that's a lot of big moments. And a lot of uh, shitty moments, and a lot of non-moments. That's every every game. Wow, that's a lot. When you really boil it down. I mean, the Blue Jays started in 1977. I mean, how many how many great seasons have there been? Maybe five tops. You're t- you're asking me. I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, well, I mean, if it was such a great season, I feel it would have penetrated into your world. Yeah. So he should have dr- really just. Gave it for f- five seasons, and then he should have quit a lot earlier, is what you're saying. No, no. I've, I I love Jerry Howarth. I remember being a youngster listening to, back when it was the fan 1430, and listening to him and Tom Cheek calling games. And I'd listen, uh, I'd listen to the radio while I was uh, supposed to be going to sleep, and it, was, it would be a, like a West Coast game. So I have fond memories of Jerry Howarth. Well, that's nice. So we're going to wrap the show up, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Are you ready to chat about SmackDown? Yeah, I think so. Or, or do oh. you have anything else you want to promote before we start the review? Oh, yeah. Th- this is where we need to promote our shows. Yeah. Because we've got some big ones coming up this week, mm-hmm. including on late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Depending on where you are in the world, you are going to check your podcast app of choice and you're going to see a new show because I know all of you are subscribed to the Keep It 2000 feed because Brian Mann and Nate Milton are back. They are reviewing the June 12, 2000 episode of Nitro, a horrendous time period. The entire start-to-finish year really was for the company. But this this week, they have brought on the, he- the heavy artillery. Jordan Breen is joining them to review this show. Uh, I have no idea how long this show is going to be. 
Maybe Wei has an idea, but I imagine this is going to be quite the thorough dissection of this two-hour episode of Nitro. I have no clue how long it is either, so I will find out like all of you. This Nitro was the night after the Great American Bash 2000 when they had promoted that an event that is going to change the face of wrestling history will go down. And the move that changed wrestling forever was Bill Goldberg turning heel. In a year when you couldn't possibly think of this company coming up with any worse ideas, Bill Goldberg returns from injury, massive baby face, and they thought, bro, you know what nobody would see coming? Is turning our most marketable baby face heel. And that started off a wonderful summer for this company. Mm -hmm. And then into the fall, and the fall it was. So that's coming up on Thursday. And then we've got Friday, our Patreon bonus show, where Way and I are reviewing the brawl at Royal Albert Hall, which I'm only now realizing. Oh, see, in my head, I was mixing up the words, and I was just realizing that that name is way better. It rhymes. Yeah. Yeah, that is. The brawl at Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. I started watching that today. Oh, you did? I haven't. So I've got a lot more wrestling to watch. Uh, and then Sunday, folks, free show. It's the roundtable with Waiting, Damien Abraham, and myself. So you've got plenty, plenty of uh, content coming your way over the next week. Bakersfield, California. The Rabobank Arena. Started off in the best possible way it could. This show started off with a record scratch. And out comes Dolph. This was the Dolph Ziggler show. This is, this is what you and I, we clearly were paying penance for some sin we had committed. Ziggler comes out. It's now, it's, his entrance is now a mixture of his old theme, his brief time coming out to nothing. Now he comes out to nothing, pauses, and then his theme plays. So I don't know why we have this attachment to the prior character that hated entrance themes and gimmicks, but it's still a part of his character now. Right. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, it's, it's like they tried something. It didn't work. So now they're changing it back, but not completely changing it back. It's weird. It'd be like the undertaker reverting back to the dead man character, but still coming out on a motorcycle. Yeah, there's a lot wrong with um, this whole package, I would say. The announcers proclaimed Dolph Ziggler has returned to Tuesday nights after seven weeks, which they called the longest voluntary absence of his career. Oh, wow. This, this was voluntary. This wasn't uh, mm -hmm. sustained by injury or other. Mm -hmm. So he's out, and then Baron Corbin's music plays, and he comes out. So we're going to start off the show with the big match that has been promised all week long. His music starts. There's no Baron starts again. The announcers go to their automatic suspicions that this must mean he is playing mind games, but no, he is not. He is in the back having his mind played around as if it was a game with Owens and Zane rattling it back and forth against a wall. And Corbin is beaten down. And he's thrown into this, this metal container, and he's left on the ground, dead. And Owens and Zane come out to the arena. Then they attack Ziggler. They fight into the crowd, send him into the post. There's a halluva kick. Corbin stumbles out while he's hurt, and he goes for Owens and Zane, and they double-team Corbin. And both Corbin and Ziggler are just left as bodies laying here in Bakersfield, California. And we go to break, worried, concerned, disgusted at the idea that Baron Corbin versus Dolph Ziggler might not happen. Yeah, I was half expecting this crowd to chant thank you to these two. But tonight was not one of those crowds. This was a very cooperative crowd. Charlotte and Sarah Logan was the first match of the night, non-title, of course. Charlotte has brought back up in the form of Becky Lynch and Naomi to combat the Riot Squad. Logan is sent to the floor early to regroup. They went through a commercial break. Logan delivered a chop which Charlotte was almost disgusted by, and then responded with her own chops. Logan did this weird tackle from behind Charlotte, and then they exchanged these high knees. Charlotte's arm is attacked. 
Then Charlotte misses this boot going into the ropes and gets suplexed by Logan. Charlotte caught her with a backbreaker, sent her into the turnbuckle, and then hit the natural selection where Logan tempted to like spike her head trying to take this like she was Rob Van Dam taking a DDT. And Charlotte won. Extra points for Sarah Logan trying to take this natural selection uh, unnaturally on the head. The match itself I thought was was paced to feel like a big win or um, a big match for Sarah Logan putting up the a, announcer certainly tried to put her over as controlling most of the match. Yeah, I thought overall she played her her role as sort of the second in this series pretty well. Yeah, I thought the match was fine. Kind of had its uh ups and downs throughout, but they tried to give this t- some time and it was the first time they've ever had a match with some emphasis specifically on Sarah Logan. So, it was fine. Uh, and then Charlotte says one more to go. So she's got Ruby Riot still left to kill. Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon are in their office, and Shane's furious over the actions of Owens and Zayn. Corbin and Ziggler are still going to get their chance tonight, and Shane has made two matches. Corbin will take on Owens, and Ziggler will take on Zayn. And if either Ziggler or Corbin win, they're going to be added to the fast lane title match. And if Owens or Zayn interfere in the other's match, they will be out of the title match. This almost necessitated a diagram to explain. And Brian was just on his phone. And I don't even know if he said more than five words on this show. But this was it. This was his only presence on the show, as was the only time Shane appeared. Yeah. Yeah. This was um, the reason why he was at TV today. They didn't even have him do the top ten. Yeah. Did they not say that was going to be a weekly updated feature? They did the top ten, but it was just one graphic. It wasn't. Somebody presenting the top 10. Yeah, but it was the exact same order as last week. It hadn't changed. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess that was... Maybe they last for two weeks. I guess These so. top 10s. Yeah. Um, Kevin o- it makes me wonder, like, if this... These matches were planned um, recently, or if this was always the plan last week, when they announced this match, because... Mm, uh, Oh, there's no way. Yeah, like, I, I imagine that they saw the outcry of, like, um, uh, outrage against this Corbin versus Ziggler match, and they decided to do something about it on the show. Uh, that's my assumption. Well, I mean, just look at the fact that last week, this was just a straight-up match that was announced for this week. And then during the week, it's turned into a match where the winner gets into the title match. And now, fast forward, the only reason Dolph Ziggler has come back to SmackDown is because this match would get him closer to WrestleMania. So, I mean, they've, they've changed this all within a week. Last week, this was just a straight-up match. Hmm. So what, what was Ziggler coming back for last week when this was announced? I don't know. Why didn't he just keep the title? Keep the U.S. title if he wanted to go to WrestleMania? Oh, he wanted the main event, WrestleMania. I see. You can't you can't do that with the United States title. So you've really put that title on a pedestal during this uh, transition for Ziggler. Kevin Owens versus Baron Corbin. I didn't know what this was going to look like. I'll tell you what uh, what is coming to a close, and that is the big contest to meet Naomi and Jimmy Uso at Universal Studios. It is 11.31 p.m. as me and Wei speak. That means that in... 28 minutes, the deadline will hit at 11.59 for your chance to meet Jimmy Uso and Naomi. This has been quite the promoted contest way. Yeah, it's been, it feels like it's been going on for a long time. I feel like every single show, they promote this contest. Corbin is holding his ribs as he enters the, the ring, and then he nails Owens with a punch, striking him off the turnbuckle. Owens goes to the floor and then stops Corbin, runs him shoulder first into the post, hit a cannonball inside the ring. They come back from break. The audience is clearly into this, chanting for Rusev Day. Zayn is watching backstage. Corbin did his chokeslam backbreaker, then slid under the turnbuckle, returned, and hit Kevin Owens with an inside-out clothesline. Misses, runs shoulder first into the post. This was a big night of guys running into that post, which I can't imagine it was still standing by the end of all this. Owens runs into a deep six. Then he does his comeback, tries for a pop-up power bomb. That's blocked, and he runs at Corbin, is hit with end of days, and Corbin pins Owens. So now it is a fatal four-way at Fastlane. Yeah, I thought a pretty good match. Uh, I mean, I thought what was amazing on the show was that they were able to successfully make Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler baby faces, which I think tells you uh, what 
great heels, Owens and Zayn are. And also, again, how um, maybe lucky they got with this crowd, who were very receptive to their um, story. They go after, uh, they show the top 10 list and then talk about the the omissions of who was included and who was not included, and specifically note the rankings of Bobby Roode and Randy Orton to set up the next segment, because Bobby Roode comes out for the U.S. title open challenge. He wants to be the greatest U.S. champion in history, but he has to steal the tradition of a man he wants to surpass, John Cena, who's booed. He said Cena defended this every week against everyone, so the open challenge will continue, and he hopes that the person that answers the challenge tonight faces him, Face-to-face, unlike someone who hit him with an RKO out of nowhere last week. So Randy Orton comes out, and Tom Phillips proclaims that the U.S. title is a title that has eluded the great Randy Orton throughout his career. This has been that, that missing piece of the puzzle way for Randy Orton's legacy, the United States title. Then Jinder Mahal comes out, along with Samir, and says that the roster does not respect Orton. That's why he was ranked ninth. Puts over all of Orton's accomplishments, and he respects Orton. The crowd's chanting RKO, and Jinder says the reason he was ranked ninth is that the locker room thinks that Orton has peaked. Orton says, I don't give a shit about this top ten list, and says that uh, Jinder goes on to try and create uh, a problem here between Rude and Orton, Rude points out Jinder didn't even make the top 10 list because no one respects him, and he's got lots of respect for Randy Orton. And Rude notes that Orton is number nine because everyone is sick and tired of being attacked out of nowhere. And Orton takes the microphone, and then out of nowhere, he RKO's uh, Sunil here, and then the other three all fight. Rude decks Orton, and Jinder lays out both men with the Colossus. And he's the one left standing here. Got quite a bit of heat at the end of this. Mm-hmm. This is the first time they've built a, any type of storyline off of the top 10 list. Um, and, you know, I thought they were successful. Uh, in the end, though, it just kind of feels like it's a... I mean, they, they, they're they admitting to you that the top 10 list is only a popularity contest. And if you're <laughs> mad about the rankings, then it's because you've done something to upset people backstage. Um so in the end, though, it just kind of feels like they're starting feuds off of, like, uh, who hates whom, you know? Uh, it's the exact same. Like, we're, we're going to have a three-way program out of this where the rankings mean nothing. Jinder's not even ranked. He's going to get a title match here. I guess they're not rankings. Uh, they did say that they would be based off of, uh, or they would use them to help them determine um, title matches. But I guess, I guess not. It's really just to kind of start feuds. But I'm just saying, like, these feuds, I think, are now starting off of, like, really petty things. Like, somebody like a Rand- Randy Orton. Um, he doesn't even care. He's like, I don't care. You can have my ranking. Yeah. So why would he be upset? Yeah. I mean, they've established that these rankings mean nothing. So none of the talent is offended by where they are. It's like, okay, I'm not popular amongst these guys. It won't prohibit me from getting title matches. It won't hurt my standing anywhere. So why should I care what my ranking is? What do I get out of this ranking? Yeah, I've yet to kind of be convinced about this top 10 list. Um, This was their first attempt. We'll see how long it lasts. We got some mixed match challenge promos from both teams with Rusev and Lana and Bailey and Elias. And Rusev working overtime to get this song over. And we'll hear from Way later and see how the audience responded if this song was a big hit. And then, on SmackDown, they promoted that at Elimination Chamber, Ronda Rousey will be signing her Monday Night Raw contract. Hmm. I guess at least it was Corey Graves that was the one plugging this fact. And the others were like, yeah, that's it. There was no, uh, there was no issue taken by Shane McMahon or Daniel Bryan that Raw has, well, apparently just verbally agreed to this. They're not going to make any kind of last-ditch effort to try and sign Ronda. She's going to Raw, and we'll even promote that fact. So that's it. Oh, she's probably too expensive for SmackDown. Well, I guess Shane, he's he's made a lot of investments over the years, so maybe um, he's got to tighten the purse strings at SmackDown. New Day comes out. It's Fat Tuesday way. Pancake Tuesday. 
So we've got a stack of pancakes. And Big E was going to challenge the world record of 113 pancakes being eaten within eight minutes. This, this segment was so compelling to me that I looked this up, and this is a legitimate record. And there's a YouTube video of the guy who did this in eight minutes. I did not watch the entire video, but it exists. Oh. So. Okay. Hey, they at least got the stats correct. Maybe Dana Brooke was working on this segment. So Biggie tries to eat these pancakes, and he is not doing a very successful job. Gable and Benjamin interrupt them. Gable had a really good line to start this. He said, this is exactly what I envisioned I'd be a part of when I was training for the Olympics. Benjamin says that the New Day could open their own version of IHOP and leave the tag division for a pair of serious competitors. And Xavier takes issue with the New Day not being thought of as serious as they all just acted like idiots. He reminded them that they were the longest reigning tag champions and nobody wants to see Gable and Benjamin as the champions. Gable and Benjamin end up tossing some pancakes on the floor. New Day got upset. And Gable says nobody likes pancakes. And everybody booed. Benjamin says they're eating waffles for now on. And tossed a plate of the pancakes onto the mat. This set Big E off. And this was our setup for a tag match. Yeah, it was a match over pancakes. And, um... You know, this audience seemed to get into that. Um, I think Gable's showing a lot of improvement, showcasing his personality. Um, yeah, this was a a pancake match. <laughs> Kofi and Big E versus Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. Uh, Gable, I thought, looked very good in this match. He hit this incredible capo kick to Kofi Kingston that they replayed. It just looked awesome. Woods got attacked on the floor, even though he wasn't in the match. Eventually, Big E got the hot tag, suplexed Gable around the place, hit him with a splash, and then Gable was in the ring with Big E and hit this chaos theory. This might have been the most impressive one to date, the way he just deadlifted Big E off the mat. Woods was then uh, distracting the referee, so Gable's tag to Benjamin wasn't seen by the referee. And everyone gets sent to the floor except for Gable. And he's arguing with the referee about not seeing the tag. He turns around and gets lifted up for the midnight hour. And the New Day wins in 4 minutes and 29 seconds. Pancakes live and waffles die. Yeah. Sometimes I, I feel like the New Day shtick is so tired. But then they'll do it in front of a crowd like this. And they'll be so over that it'll completely change my mind. And, yeah, this was a crowd that really liked the New Day, loved the pancakes. Um, and, yeah, it just kind of reminded me, hey, um, my opinion is not the only one. Maybe this is eventually going to lead to Chuck Taylor's entrance into SmackDown. Why is that? Because then we could have the pancakes meet the awful waffle. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't as into this as everyone else, but I'm just going to be accused of being a negative, angry person. But I don't know. Yeah. Renee. Yeah, but the match was fine. That yeah, was you're all. an angry, negative person. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, I, I didn't get into this as much. It's like the pancake stuff to me has really, I don't know. Is there? Yeah, it's not for us. I guess so. Is, not, it, is there a, a majority every, out there that, that really, they love these segments every week? This crowd seemed to. Well, I guess so, then. I, I had to have been in Bakersfield on Tuesday night. Uh, it's a country of bakers. So, of <laughs> course, they're going to love their carbs. <laughs> You're right. All right. Then the greatest segment in history took place. Renee got the big exclusive with Dolph Ziggler. His first explanation for abdicating the United States title. He says he's been more selective, picking his spots. Here we are, another opportunity. I live for this. I love this. Love it. It's about doing what I was put on this planet to do. Perform in the ring. No one, no one does what I do. No one is better than me. 
I have to watch my volume here because I don't want to wake up a seven-month-old. No one will outshine me. Kevin and Sammy know that. They know more than anyone else. They know what I'm capable of and will take a hell of a lot more to stop me. The only reason I'm standing and I'm back is what's eluded me my whole career. I want a main event WrestleMania. And I'll be damned if I don't walk in there as WWE champion. Man's calling his own damnation here. This was like the stereotypical Dolph Ziggler promo. I think this is going to eventually just be like its own description of a style of promo. Yeah, he's the boy who cried Dolph. Remember? <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah, we came up with that. Like, that that was you. That was that was not me. Oh, that was a long time ago though. So and it's perfectly applicable here. It was Dolph Ziggler cutting another impassioned Dolph Ziggler promo. Uh, you can never never answered the question. He would not. He's the type of um, type of I, I think person that um, you really get impressed by when you first meet them. But then you get to know them, and you kind of start to see their bullshit. Um, and at this point, come on, man. You're asking too much of this guy to not only try to, to get us to believe in him again, but now <laughs> to say that he's going to main event WrestleMania, that's a bit much. That's a bit of a stretch, even for uh, Dolph Ziggler. Um, I think his goal should just be to get into the building. I wish this promo ended with the camera panning to the corner backstage and Shinsuke Nakamura is just seated in a corner with his hands in his face, just shaking his head like, oh, my God, not this guy again. Did they have? Oh, yeah, that was our first first match. Yeah. Maybe that could be our title match at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. Yes. Comes full circle. Then we had the Usos. I don't know where they were. They were in like this basement that was like full of like gas or something. And they're just doing a walking promo. We are brothers, real brothers. Ride or die from the womb to the tomb. Run up and get done up. And as they go to welcome us all to the Uso Penitentiary, the screen smashes and we're taken to the Backstage area where the Bludgeon Brothers have just hammered a television screen and posed with their hammers. I, I like this visual. Yeah, I thought the look of the dark hallway was quite cool. The captions, not so much. I'll overlook it. Brothers. Real brothers. <laughs> <laughs> not, not those bullshit brothers that this yeah. industry is full of. I like, the, I, like, I like how they're now starting to incorporate like transitions for these words. So like the word real slides in. So that you... Anyway. Um, and then the screen smashing was really cool. Yeah, I didn't think it was cheesy or anything. I thought it was really unexpected and was kind of cool. I, d- I do think it was cheesy. But it, like, who cares? I loved it. It was... The best. Yes. I mean, you're talking about the Bludgeon Brothers, okay? We're not real brothers. Uh, but I think Cheese and Camp is exactly what that whole that, that gimmick is. What, what are the... Like, next week when the Usos have to progress this further and respond, like, what is their anger? What is the motivation for their anger that the Bludgeon Brothers destroyed a television set? that doesn't belong to them, that they interrupted their catchphrase at the end. I mean, what, what, is, the, uh, well, what is the offense committed by the Bludgeon Brothers here? Well, they disrespected them. This was a okay. sign of disrespect. Okay. And to retaliate, maybe they'll, I don't know, maybe steal their hammers? Yeah. Um, what? Maybe replace the hammers with, like, a shovel? I don't know. I don't know. I got nothing. Because it's going to be a a DNA match between the real brothers and the the fake brothers. Right. Owens apologizes to Sami Zayn for the loss and tells Sami, you can't lose. Don't let me down. I love Owens as just the <laughs> asshole best friend 
Like, here's this guy who screwed everything up for the two, but now it's on the other guy to not do what he just did. I just love Owens as just the classic bully. Mm-hmm. They're friends again this week. Well, not really. Sammy wasn't really all that interested in helping him out at all. He said that... They're helping each other out at the beginning. Well, at the beginning, but now, after Owens lost, Sammy mm. said there's no we in this championship match. It's everyone for themselves. Owens did remind us that if Sammy loses, their chances will lower as a result of the additional body. Mm-hmm. 20% chances. Yep. Next week in Phoenix, we're going to have Charlotte, Naomi, and Becky Lynch against the Riot Squad. Oh, and that okay. took us. A- They're going to delay the um, Ruby Riot Charlotte match. Yeah, we've got to wait. We've got to wait for that one. Hmm. If I was Naomi, I'd be like, hey, I'm ranked fourth overall amongst everyone. Why the hell is Ruby Riot taking up your time? Like, if these rankings mean something, Naomi should be really. Like, she's the fourth highest commodity on the entire show. Mm, according to the. No, they're the, she's the fourth highest commodity in the locker room. Well, listen. It's something. This is supposed to be some currency for this talent. Hmm. Sami Zayn, Dolph Ziggler was our main event. Ziggler comes out. He's selling the attack from earlier. Owens is watching this backstage. He was looking very frustrated. Early on, Zayn uh, used a slingshot to send Ziggler throat first into the rope. Uh, we come back. And he catches Zayn off the turnbuckle with a drop kick. Go through the commercial. They explain that Ziggler only came back for a chance to headline WrestleMania. So just completely negating last week's announcement when this was just a match. Zayn hit an exploder off the top turnbuckle. There was a slingshot into the corner. He misses with the Huluva kick. And then Ziggler hits the zigzag with Zayn bouncing out of the corner and gets a great near fall. Crowd was pretty hot for this match. Zayn runs him shoulder first into the post. Then he took him and ran him shoulder first again into the post. They cut to Owens backstage, and this guy's just sweating profusely. Heaths looks so scared at the prospect of Dolph Ziggler entering this match. Kevin Owens is the most talented uh, backstage viewer on this show, in this whole company, mm. because it's, a, it's, it's an art that few have. Exploders hit the Ziggler into the corner. Zayn sets up for the Haluva kick, runs at him, and he's met with a super kick, and Dolph wins. Very good main event, I thought, between these two. Yes, it was a good match. Uh, again, I can't believe that Dolph here managed to be bought by this audience as a total babyface, wrestling completely like the Dolph Ziggler of old. It means they did a good job throughout the episode. I mean, he started the episode just coming out and being completely dreaded by this audience, and ended it in celebratory fashion as a baby face. So it helped that, you know, the heels are so talented here. It also helped that they had a, again, a very cooperative audience in Bakersfield. So does this mean that when Dolph Ziggler loses at fast lane, he's not going to do WrestleMania? Um, well, like he's, why, not, why, he, well, he's not going to main event. Yeah. He'll probably leave. Like what sense would there be for this guy? to stick around. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get his big hope of uh, working at WrestleMania. I mean, even if he does win this match, he's really not main eventing WrestleMania, is he? No, probably not. No. No, that would be Roman Brock. You don't think Ziggler and Nakamura could go on last? Carry the whole show? Hmm. Yeah. Maybe they should... Uh, no. That is the storyline. Yeah. That's what the man is back for. Yeah. I think overall, uh, this episode of SmackDown... Uh, you know, they did fine doing what they were supposed to do, but overall it just feels like such a nothing main event scene on SmackDown right now. SmackDown um, feels very weak at the moment. Very weak. Well, it's the same f- few people on top. This Daniel Bryan Shane storyline is kind of stalled at the moment. We're not, we're just kind of spinning wheels right now, not get necessarily getting that much, um, movement within it. Um, and just... The combinations of the, of the people up top uh, aren't just aren't interesting. Uh, as talented as some of those people are, we've just seen so many of their combinations. And man, throwing Ziggler and and Baron Corbin in the mix does nothing for me. 
No. Um, it just feels very flat. SmackDown feels very flat to me. When typically you and I, the the most praise we will heap upon SmackDown is Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan when they're heavily involved and it's non-physical participants yeah. on the show. And mm-hmm. it's this was a show. You, you take out AJ and Nakamura from this show. That kind of brings the the star power down, the quality of the show down. Mm-hmm. It's just... Yeah, I don't even think it's necessarily the, the the participants you have on SmackDown. I think it's just a lot of people in bad roles at the at this time. Um, Owens and Zayn kind of just feel like these stopgap heels to get through Fastlane. Uh, Ziggler, I don't think anyone is behind him. I don't think anyone's behind Corbin going into this title match. I sense very little interest overall in this, this five-way deal coming up uh, that we've got weeks and weeks until we get to. Um, yeah, I think you really have to stretch to find uh, the positive on SmackDown at the moment. I just mm-hmm. feel it's not the most inspired show. And this is a time period when you should be firing on all cylinders. And I don't feel the same kind of uh, energy on this show that I do on Raw for the most part. Yeah, even with the women's division, um, the the Riot Squad simply aren't big enough challengers, uh, in my opinion, for Charlotte. Um, now what's what's Charlotte even doing? Like she's nothing. just it's a riot she's squad. She's just there, yeah. And I think you have uh, very interesting kind of side characters in, in Naomi and Becky that aren't at all being utilized right now. Uh, the tag division, I think, maybe of the three, might be the healthiest because the Usos, I think, are very hot. Um, Gable and Benjamin are on their way up, and I think the Bludgeon Brothers have something you know that that that, that have yet to be um, cashed in on yet. So. Of all the divisions, uh, maybe that's, that one's the most interesting. In the U.S. division, you got Rude, Orton, Jinder. It's a fine mid-card feud, but hardly anything, I think, you know, that, that'll that make headlines. So SmackDown right now is certainly uh, in a bit of a lull, in my opinion. Well, uh, the Mixed Match Challenge followed that. Uh, did you get to see tonight's episode, Way? Yes, I did. Well, take us through the MMC. Yes, this is week five of the Big Match Challenge, and uh, I had some streaming issues, so I tuned in a little bit late. Um, Elias and Bailey were in the ring. They were about to play a song, and then Rusev and Lana interrupted. Rusev leads the crowd in their Lana is the best, Lana's number one song. And this crowd sang along. I'm not surprised. They got into it. The match starts with Lana versus Bailey. Bailey gets the better of Lana. Lana gets frustrated, so she retreats to the floor where she threatens to use Elias's guitar. And then Rusev has to come out and tell his wife, "Don't, don't, don't get us disqualified." Instead, Rusev takes the guitar, drops it onto the floor right in front of Elias, and Elias is pissed because his cheap knockoff guitar has been dropped. Oh no! There's a lot of posturing in the ring. Rusev and Elias uh, finally tag in. Lots of Rusev Day chants. Elias' ribs are taped up from the prior night's uh, double bass attack. So, Well, that's sell. a nice attention to detail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't necessarily sell his back all that much. Um, but, it, you know, it was just a, a double bass. Come on. <laughs> Do you realize he hit him, too, with, like, the, the side of the, like, with the string side? I saw mm. the replay today. No. It's like, man. Well, some tape fixes all that up. Uh, Rusev kicks Elias' back for the accolade. Elias fights out and then attempts to drift away, but Rusev suplexes out of that. Lana tags in now. She's in there with Bailey. She hits the X-Factor onto Bailey for two. Bailey fires back. Big comeback sequence ends with a bit of a scary-looking suplex for two. Uh, Bailey teases the Bailey to Belly from the second rope, which is how she won last night, if you remember, against Sasha. Yep. Instead, Lana slips out. And just drags Bailey off of the second rope. Um, I maybe didn't get a, a clear view of it. Like maybe Bailey was supposed to like knock her head on the top turnbuckle or something. But it was so supposed to be something significant enough for Lana to get the pin because that's exactly how she won. She just pulled Bailey off the second rope and then pinned Bailey, like uh, somebody who came off of that Sasha win looking a little bit strong. But Lana gets the pinfall, so Ravishing Rusev Day beats Elias and Bailey. 
it to me was a very weak, odd looking finish. They didn't even bother replaying it. Hmm. The big, um, I guess, uh, the big thing was that this was what was called Lana's first win in the WWE. The first time she scored a pinfall in the WWE. And so Lana is celebrating like she's about to cry. She cuts this big celebratory promo in Russian. And then Rusev is very happy too. He says, today is the official ravishing Rusev day. This sucked. There's nothing, none of the fun of uh, the previous matches... Nothing innovative about the match at all. No memorable spots. The best you kind of got to anything was Lana threatening to pick up a guitar and then Rusev um, telling her not to put it down. That was it. Beyond that, it was just bad wrestling from both gender pairings. Elias was just, he's very boring. Very (laughs) boring to watch in there. And, I mean, Lana, God bless her. You know, she's trying really hard, but it's... It, this was nothing. So, uh, and they don't have to be good wrestling matches. Like, I mean, all I, all, what, what I look for from these is just some, some level of creativity and some uh, fun. And I thought this was just, it was carried because Rusev is so over, people wanted to chant for him. But I think when you look at the content in the ring, it was just shitty. Yeah. It's disappointing that Rusev didn't stand out more in this kind of a setting. If they have better opponents next time, maybe I think that'll change. I mean, certainly I think they're the, they're the right people to continue on because Rusev, again, is so over. And him with Lana is a lot of fun. But I saw none of that chemistry nor creativity in this match. So next week you have uh, Bobby Roode and Charlotte taking on Nia and, and Apollo. Uh, they aired two selfie promos from both teams. Uh, they were rather weak. Just both cases of each other blending each other's catchphrases together. Um, you know, some teams, like, certainly I feel like teams like uh, Alexa and Braun, Sammy and Becky, and uh, Mandy Rose and Goldust are, are the ones setting the bar for, you know, well, what I consider to be, like, the best chemistry of, 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 of any of the teams on this next match challenge. They actually f- feel like they're teams that are out there to, that are having fun creating something. And some of these other teams, it just it just kind of feels like they would never hang out together, and it just feels like they're just treating this like a job rather than as an opportunity to like make something special. And you know, I mean, it proved me wrong, but I, I get that sense from some of these teams coming up. Yeah, I, I would wonder how much, like especially the raw performers, feel about the, having to stick around for one more day on the road for this for this match. That they've got to come out and do. Like, it's got to be a real hassle that every few weeks now they've got to stick around for one more night just to do essentially a house show match. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Mm. 205 Live followed that. I can't tell you, Way, how 205 Live has temporarily become a show I've, I, lo- I look forward to now more than SmackDown. It was my savior for this evening. Like, Who would have thought a month ago we would be saying that? Outside of 205 Live, I, I would say the night's wrestling was a complete uh, waste. At the start of the show, Dasha interviewed Mark Andrews. He's excited to high-five and stage-dive his way to the grandest stage of them all at WrestleMania. And our first match begins with Akira Tozawa against Mark Andrews. Andrews came out to his band Junior and the song Fall to Pieces, which sounds like it... Yeah, had they come along in 2001, there's no doubt they would have got on to the American Pie soundtrack. Uh, I could see that. Yep. Definitely. Drake Maverick is watching backstage. I'm going to have a real difficulty remembering which is his first name and which is the last name. But I'm trying to remember in my head as DM, DM the GM. I've never heard of anybody named Maverick. I haven't heard of too many people named Drake. Oh, please. Other than um, Matt LeBlanc on Friends. Uh, dude, you live in the six. Yeah, but I don't. Uh, he doesn't really go by a last name, does he? No. But it's still his first name. It's just one name. I wish they just called this guy Maverick. Be much easier to remember. It's, it's such a goofy name. It's one of, I, I'm usually the last person to complain about silly WWE names because you just get used to them so quickly. 
<laughs> this one is just it's taking a long time to grow on me. No, come on. It's just it's it's he sounds like a a porn star. It's better than Rockstar Spud. Uh, I'm not saying Rockstar Spud would have been the the best choice, but just uh he doesn't look like a Drake or a Maverick. That's the hard part I'm having. Like give me something. Like what would you James name, please? James Maverick. There you go. Right. His name actually is James. Mm. I can take one or the other. It's both that are, are just the hard part for me. Early on, Andrews applies an octopus hold, and Tozawa gets out of it, works on the right shoulder. Uh, there's a Hurricane Rana, Shining Wizard by Tozawa. Then he goes for the Senton off the top, but Andrews rolls to the floor, which prompts Tozawa to hit his crazy Tope Suicida as he was there to outdo Sarah Logan by going with his head downward to the floor. Mm-hmm. Andrews rolled away from a second senton attempt and then did a tilt-whirl into the slumdog millionaire for a near fall. Then there was a top rope Frankensteiner from Andrews into a near fall. Andrews misses with a follow-up shooting star press. And then Tozawa hits a spinning roundhouse kick, goes for the Mahistral Cradle, which Andrews blocks, is on top, cradles him, and pins him in 12 minutes and 26 seconds. Mark Andrews advances. Yeah, I don't think that's a surprise. I mean, considering the level of a promo they put on on him prior, he's the one who got the the promo time with Dasha, or is that Charlie? I don't know. It was Dasha. Dasha, yes. Uh, you know, I thought they worked a pretty decent match, but I feel like they probably chose a wrong style um, to have this type of match in front of a crowd that, um, yeah, you know, this was the third hour and this was after SmackDown. I thought. Um, they needed to showcase a bit more high flying, especially with somebody like Mark Andrews. Um, you know, they simply there simply wasn't enough star power, not enough storyline to get this audience to react too much after SmackDown. But the ma- the match was decent. This to me, and I think this goes for both matches tonight, and it went for last week too, and it's going to apply next week and the week after that. Is it's going to be such an uphill battle for them to try and win over these audiences. I think it's going to take a lot of work. Uh, a lot of a lot of effort from these guys to kind of overcome the perception that they've been given from all of this this last year and a half of 205 Live booking. And this was an audience that, as we outlined on SmackDown, not a bad crowd in the least, um, but you are dealing with that fatigue factor. And as much as these guys may have good matches, they're not stars to the audience. And I, I don't know if they'll be able to to break this, but it's... Well, if the audience is going to get into it, it's going to take a long time. I think I think if they stand any type of chance, it's at least with the match that features something a bit more, um, I think, um, appealing to people who don't know anything about them. And, you know, I maybe just mm, like a technical match is is quite tough, I think, if, if people don't know who you are. It's tough. Like, I don't know how you could ask for a better match than what you got last week. And... And it was crickets for that match. And yeah. it's it's just such a killer for these matches to um, with the audience. But it is what it is. Dosh is backstage with Jack Gallagher. Next week, he's facing Mustafa Ali in the tournament. And Drake Maverick walks in, compliments him on his suit, and says that attire is not appropriate to work in. And next week, you are to be in proper wrestling attire. He says you're one of the best talents in the WWE so sort yourself out, mate. And Gallagher shakes his head and walks off. I am finding it just fascinating to watch 205 Live and the new direction of just undoing all the ideas prior. I think it's just hilarious to watch. Yeah, but this suit thing is... He had this prior. and But he wasn't wrestling in it. Oh, yes, you're right, yeah. He was wrestling in a suit. But he wasn't wrestling tonight. No. But he's, he was just saying for next week. You're not going to be wrestling in this suit. It's stupid. Oh, okay. But he can still yeah. wear suits. Yeah, yeah, backstage. yeah. He's not saying, yeah, no. He's saying in the ring for your match, you need to have proper wrestling attire. That is true. It is stupid. So I just, I just think it's great that all these ideas that were thrust upon these performers, these wacky gimmicks like mm. wrestling in suits – Hunter's just coming in there and just tearing him all out. And it's like, nope, nope, no, nope. No, Amdar, you need to dump Alicia Fox. 
She's banned. Well, I guess she's gone for a while, actually, with that broken oh, tailbone. Yeah. So there will be no Alicia Fox in the near future. But Dar's hurt as well. So they're mm-hmm. both injured. And then the final uh, opening round match is going to be Arya Davari against Buddy Murphy from NXT. And they are to feature on Murphy as he's training to get down to 205 pounds, calls it the hardest thing he has ever done, and they do a weigh-in. And unlike Yoel Romero, he did it. He came in at 204.4 pounds. And Buddy Murphy's been getting a lot of praise for his uh, his work at um, the NXT shows. Aleister Black just raved about a series of matches he had with Buddy Murphy. And I thought for, like, this video package was tops 60 seconds. And... They did a great job. They went through a lot of effort to create the 60 seconds. They they held a mock weigh-in just to film this scene. Because you know what they do is this graphic comes up, and they think to themselves, okay, what are people going to criticize, or what are the questions that the viewer is going to have about this? Well, the first one is Buddy Murphy. The initial reaction is, is this guy even 205 pounds? Boom, we address it. And we give a whole storyline in 60 seconds, context for this match, for this character, coming to 205 Live. They did this in 60 seconds. Yeah, I thought this was great. I really enjoyed this video. Uh, good for them for putting this much effort behind Buddy Murphy. I expect him to beat Arya Davari next week. But um, to me, the most compelling aspect of this character is if you watch Divas, yes, they will have you believe that his relationship with Alexa Bliss depends on his success on the main roster. Because um, there were several uh, episodes of Divas where the storyline was, what happens if you get cut, buddy? You're going to have to go back to Australia, and then your working visa won't will expire, and then we can't be together anymore. And that, to me, is like the most relatable part about this this guy, the most interesting awesome. aspect of the, about this guy. In order to maintain his relationship with this dream girl he has to do well he has to win this tournament do they talk about the the current administration and the the issues of him being an immigrant in the country i don't know if they got into that no no well that's uh that's unfortunate i guess this is a real important push for him yeah yeah some real ramifications if you believe. so they're 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 engaged correct i believe so yes all right, our second match, our final match, was Drew Gulak against Tony Nese, the new Drew Gulak, who came out, and outside of his shirt, I mean, really, no callback to the former character. And this this whole match was designed to ditch all the comedic elements of Drew Gulak uh, because Triple H has taken over the moniker of For a Better 205 Live. Mm-hmm. It was a completely rebranding of Drew Gulak. Very yes, serious. This, He's playing a, a shooter now. Yeah, this is uh, CCW Drew Gulak. This is pre-WWE Drew Gulak. Uh, nice hit him with a gut buster off the shoulders, landed a drop kick, and Vic Joseph, it, it was Gulak that landed the drop kick, and Vic Joseph was just stunned that Gulak left his feet. And he suplexed Nice right onto his neck. He grabbed Tony by the beard and starts slapping him with these palm strikes into an electric chair. Gulak then applied a guillotine, and Nice lifted him out and placed him on the edge of the apron, knocked him to the floor, and then hit this Fosbury flop, which just looked crazy. Nice then missed with a 450 splash, counters a dragon sleeper into a pump handle, into a Michinoku driver, deadlifts Gulak for a buckle bomb in the corner. Then they go to the floor, and this is where Gulak takes over, repeatedly throwing him into the announcer's desk, kills him with this lariat in the ring, and then hits a double powerbomb, and the announcers are stating that Gulak has snapped, and then he applies the Gulak, the dragon sleeper, and Nice goes out at 16 minutes and 9 seconds. Gulak takes the cruiserweight title, holds it up in the air, and it's a new Drew Gulak. Uh, yes, a new Drew Gulak, yes. Um, I, I thought it was really good stuff. Trying to promote Drew Gulak as a killer, I think, is a great role for him. It's admittedly a very tough transition going from the comedy guy to this overnight. Like it was, this guy was Captain Underpants on yeah. the show. It's kind of like the, what Kurt Angle had to go through when you know he was trying to go from comedy Kurt to serious Kurt. I wish there was a better story that led up to it. Like if you had the comedy Gulak 
all of a sudden snap in the middle of a PowerPoint and just going nuts, killing everybody, like a Bob Backlund type of uh, freak out. Maybe that would have been a, a little bit better, but who cares? I'm, I think I'm just happy that we're getting this wrestling-based Drew Kulak, who I think is fantastic. Good match. Crowd is a little hard to ignore, especially for you know a match like this where they're clearly all on their phones, not paying attention, but a solid match. Yeah, it's it's just such a the atmosphere really hurts these matches. Um, I feel bad for the performers involved, but I think they know the situation they're in. It's just this would have been so much better if you had even a a medium heated audience. Yeah, they have a lot of um, bad. I think they have to undo. So, you know, knowing knowing who the participants are now fully, um, do you kind of have a guess as to who might go on to that WrestleMania match? Well, let's go through them here, okay, to bring everyone up to speed. We have advancing so far Cedric Alexander, TJP, Kalisto, Roderick Strong, Mark Andrews, Drew Gulak, and then next week it's Buddy Murphy versus Arya Davari and Jack Gallagher against Mustafa Ali. So uh, I assume everyone is choosing Arya Davari and... <laughs> TJP uh, to go on the main show of WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, um, what, what would what would be your ideal uh, scenario for the finals of of who is advanced? Not knowing, yeah. uh, have they actually shown brackets, or no. is it just uh, so we don't know what the second round matches are? Okay. We don't know. No. But of the names that are there, I think Roderick Strong is probably one of the stronger ones. Uh, somebody who you can, I think, um, you know. Uh, you can expect a great performance from uh, at WrestleMania. The other name, maybe that's a little bit tougher. Uh, Buddy Murphy, like, I would have completely laughed at you, but after that video package, uh, well, it wouldn't completely surprise me at this point. I don't think it'll be Gulak. I mean, I think Cedric is kind of like, at this point, they're... Uh, Kind of like their franchise babyface of the raw of, of that whole division, but I don't know if the crowd will gravitate towards him enough. It's kind of hard for me to see who the who that next person is. Of the pairings, the potential pairings, I think Cedric and Roderick could have just an unbelievable match together. Mm-hmm. I really hope that for match sure. some somehow takes place. Dude, TJP is going to have some great matches with these guys now that the handcuffs are at least semi off Mm -hmm. uh i I think you're gonna see these guys in a totally different light because this is like what we're talking about with smackdown where it's not so much the performers i have an issue with it's the roles they've been placed in and here's a perfect example uh yes we have some new blood here but now it's like it's a renewed cedric alexander it's a new tjp drew gulak even kalisto like all these jack gallagher like they're, it's the same guys, but they're just they're in new roles now, and it feels like a new roster. Yes, yes, I, but I think for for WrestleMania though, for for the culmination of this tournament, they're gonna need a good story to be able to tell. I'm not exactly sure what mm, what you'd be able to tell with. I, I think it's hard to do this at this point, where we're almost two months out from WrestleMania, that where where this tournament is going to be like they're at stage one of all of these guys at this Mm -hmm. point. So um, I'm definitely interested in this tournament. Like this is, uh, this is kind of one of the high points of WWE programming at this point for me is this tournament, because I can see them going in many different directions here. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion with any of these guys. Yeah. So anyway, thumbs up on two Oh five live, even with the crowd, which is just kind of what they're dealt with. So, uh, we only have a few pieces of feedback before we sign off. So let us start off with uh, our poll. On a scale of 1 to 10, we asked people to rate tonight's SmackDown. Maybe we're going to vary up this question. A 4.6 tonight for SmackDown, which maybe that's being generous. Though I did enjoy the Ziggler Zane main event quite a bit. So not an awful show, but a kind of... Eh, your, it wasn't great. Your highlight was a Dolph Ziggler Sami Zayn main event. Even if that was a great match, how are you going to get people interested in watching that match? Wow. You know, with Dolph Ziggler as cold as he is. So I, I well, certainly don't blame people for that score. I think there's a big separation, though, between Dolph Ziggler just strictly, like, this guy's not a bad 
performer. It's just this guy is he's so overexposed. If I if he, I don't give a shit about him, I don't care if he has a six star match, man. I, he's it's, he's it's got hard. the perception. He's got the perception that Sean Waltman had in the year two thousand. Very talented performer, but it was that character that had become such a turnoff to people that to me. I, I think the greatest thing in the world for Dolph Ziggler would have been to have left this company, reinvented himself, and then come back for a run down the road. But um, he's in this spot, and it's just, I don't know. This is push number 85. That will be minimal. All right, feedback time. Let's go to Vish from Victoria. SmackDown was better than Raw. However, that's not saying much. Well, I think it is because I disagree with that. Is it just me, or does it seem like SmackDown is becoming a second-chance venue to present ideas from the current week's Raw? The Riot Squad, Absolution debuts, and this week it seems like the five-way matches are number one on the SmackDown Top 10 Recycled Ideas list. All right, he believes that Ziggler wins at the pay-per-view, gives up the title on SmackDown, retires, and then there's a tournament at WrestleMania for the title. Okay, well, none of that's happening, Fish. Um, yeah... That's some wild fantasy booking. We go to Jay from Colorado. Look, I like comedy bits as much as the next guy, but tonight we had five grown men fight over pancakes. Pancakes! There's got to be a better way. Boy, TV sure don't smash the way they used to. It's almost like an unintentional running gag over the last few years. Anytime someone breaks an LED TV and it just awkwardly falls apart with no explosion, just layers of paneling falling out. Nothing really grabbed me tonight, but it wasn't the worst edition of SmackDown. Funny. Wait, wait a minute. Re- reread that. Nothing really grabbed me tonight, but it wasn't the worst edition of SmackDown. I mean, what a what a, what a bar you're setting here. Yeah. Um, he says, funny, I'm looking forward to what comes after the two main roster shows way more these days. Mixed Match Challenge, 205 Live, and NXT are really what brings me back. I give SmackDown five awkwardly broken flat screen TVs out of ten. I'm not going to knock the TV screen. That that was among my top three segments on SmackDown, was that breaking of the TV. Last one is Chase from New Orleans. SmackDown was dreadful this week. Every title scene is a multiple-person mess right now, aside from the tag division with its most uninteresting feud in months. Ziggler and Corbin in the main event, along with the increasingly stale mm-hmm. Sammy-Kevin duo. No thanks. The show's really just a write-off for me until Fastlane at this point. I'm hopeful that maybe once the Mania build starts, the show might see some more focus on singles feuds as opposed to the constant convoluted promo segments. On a much more positive note, 205 Live was great again this week. It has quickly become the thing I look most forward to on Tuesdays. Both matches started a bit slow, but really ramped up well, and I thought both were good for the different reasons. I was surprised to see Andrews win, but I'm happy to see it. Gulak's character transformation was handled well, and it makes me more interested in him going forward. Very happy to see Buddy Murphy finally getting a spotlight. He's been off NXT television so long, I was worried he would never be back. Very talented and deserves a shot. Now that we know the whole tournament field, who do you guys think? Well, we went over the uh, the tournament. I don't... Uh, if you had a prediction right now, wait. Just pick two that you see in the finals. Okay. I will go with Roderick Strong and Kalisto. Okay, Kalisto. Um, that That's a pretty good pick right there. I would go Strong, Roderick Strong and TJP. We'll see. Maybe Roderick. You know what? No, I'm sticking with my other one. Roderick and Cedric Alexander. I think that's that's of all the people involved, that's the match I would most want to see uh, because I think it has – I think that would be incredible together. Um, So, yeah. Cool. There are our picks. That is going to bring an end to the show. So thank you, everyone, uh, for joining us. Uh, As we said, we'll be back later this week. We've got Keep It 2000 out Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and then – Our Patreon show will be out Friday chatting the October 1991 battle at Royal Albert Hall. Just a month month after Ric Flair debuted with the company. Yeah, let's talk about what else is on this show. Here, I have have it, actually. Okay, why don't you... uh, It's headlined by a 20-man battle royal where they're fighting for for a trophy. Oh, a trophy. A trophy. Well, this show also features, of course, we are in Britain, so you can't have a British show without the British Bulldog taking on the Barbarian. Oh. For the, for the World Tag Team Championships, Power and Glory takes on Legion of Doom, The Undertaker, 
takes on Hacksaw Jim Duggan. The Mountie versus the Texas Tornado. Earthquake versus the Big Boss Man. Ric Flair versus Tito Santana. And the Nasty Boys versus the Rockers. Yes, with Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan calling the show. So that is what you have to look forward to. If you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you can go join immediately at postwrestlingcafe.com. Get access to all of our shows instantly with your sign-up, and that will be dropping on Friday. And in free show Sunday, it's our second roundtable show where Damien Abraham will join the two of us. And I don't know what we're going to chat about. It's just going to be... Yeah, are uh, we are we going to pick topics from the thing, or, or are we doing it differently this time? Are we just going to talk wrestling in general? I think, I think we're going to go in with uh, less of a roadmap. Okay. Should we? We're gonna make some some tinkering to the first one. Should, okay. Maybe we should do it over breakfast. Pancakes. No, I re- I refuse to do a show when we're eating. I I couldn't right, listen fine. to that. Okay. Maybe we'll All do right. it at the vapor lounge. Well, I don't think I'll be joining you for that. Maybe we can do it at um. What's a what's a monumental spot here in in the city where we can go? It's really cold outside, so that that limits things significantly. Um, we should do. Uh, yeah, week. Um, how about your party room in your condo? Um, perhaps we could do that. Okay, as well, or maybe just your apartment. All right, that's it, folks. Postwrestling.com is where you can go. Check out all the latest news, daily updates that are posted there, reviews of various shows, all of our shows that you can download. It's a wonderful place to go. Follow us at Post Wrestling, and that is it. We'll speak with you later on this week.